Hi, this is the Bullard Farm Benchmark, the Camp on Oxit podcast. The Bullard Farm Benchmark comes to you from the shores of the Thorndike at the base of Mount Monadnock. On this show, we bring you stories, anecdotes, and lore of Winoxit history, and showcase different programs and opportunities uniquely available to the Winoxit experience. Our goal is to bring Camp on Oxit to all campers, scouts, caregivers, and adult leaders, and to keep camp alive for our alumni near and far. In this episode, we speak about the COPE program. To learn more about the COPE program, an acronym for Challenging Outdoor Personal Experience, we speak with two individuals, both of whom are experts on the BSA and Camp on Oxit COPE program. Stay tuned for our conversation with longtime scouter and venturer, former staff member Jim Ganley, and our program director and former COPE staff member, Will Neville. So we're gathered here in the studio this evening, the camp director's office, to speak about the COPE program. And we have two folks, two individuals, who uh, both of whom have a breadth of experience with the BSA COPE program. Uh, we have Jim Ganley. Say hello, Jim. Hello. And we have Will Neville. Hello. Uh, Jim, you've been involved for many years um, as a former staff member. you worked at Resolute and as a volunteer in adventuring. So you have many years of experience with COPE. And Neville, you were um, worked in Cope and climbing during different periods back in the day. Um, so uh, this is a subject with which I am not familiar. So I'm going to be learning a lot from you guys because I was never really a Cope person, and I never did the program at camp. I've done Cope activities, but I never went through the whole rigmarole of camp or any other like formal Cope setting, if I can use a term like that. Um, so I think my first question is just start off with you, Jim. Could you maybe give us some knowledge of brief history of COPE, how it became incorporated as a BSA program with what knowledge you have and what its objectives are. Sure. So uh, COPE is a is an acronym. It stands for Challenging Outdoor Personal Experience. It grew out of uh, uh, another program uh, called Project Adventure, which is an experiential education program uh, that started here in New England. Uh, and the uh, Boy Scouts of America picked it up in the late 80s and created Project COPE. Um, here in, uh, at Camp Wanoxit in our council, uh, our COPE history traces its, its uh, lineage back to the early 90s uh, when we built our low COPE course here at Wanoxit. And uh, our high course followed in 1998, 99, uh, and the pro- program's been uh, going ever since. Wow. Interesting. Um, so, Jim, what interests you about COPE? I mean, you spent a lot of time doing the program. You've been involved in the property with the Coke courses here. What is it that draws you into it? What do you like about it? I like the versatility of the program. I like that uh, it's very adaptable. So you can take uh, uh, the activities, uh, the, the low course and high course elements, the, the ground initiative games and, and problem solving activities that we do. And you can mix and match them in any combination you want to meet the needs of whatever group you're doing. So if you want to focus on more of a leadership development kind of program, you can make it that. If you want to make it more of a team building kind of program, you can go in that direction. It's a very, very versatile program. Interesting. Neville, what about you? What, what have you always liked about COPE? Because this is something, a job that you sought out to do. 
many years ago, and you worked in Cope back in the late 2000s and the early teens. What, why did you want to do Cope so badly? hard to find kids that wanted to spend an entire day doing cope. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's changed more pro programmatically than physically over the years. But I've only known it since two 2007. Jim might have a different opinion. Yeah, when, uh, when I was the cope director here in 2002, uh, we were running cope uh, was a, an alternative to the Merit Badge program. So you would sign up for COPE, you would be in the COPE, uh, we, we called it the Adventure Team program, uh, all week. And so we would do basically a full day of initiative games and problem solving and team building activities on uh, Monday. We'd do low course stuff pretty much all day Tuesday. Wednesday would be all high course stuff. And then Thursday and Friday were kind of free days we could plan and you know uh, have some weather flexibility and things like that so um, but the uh, the scouts that were participating in that weren't participating in uh, the merit badge program and I think to, to Will's point that's that's kind of uh, where that adaptation came in was we were getting feedback from scouts and unit leaders that said uh, you know the a lot of these are older scouts they need to work on merit badges there's there's some you know so we need to be a little bit more flexible in giving them that opportunity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, Neville, what does a week of COPE look like for someone who does the COPE program? What do they do every day? Sure. So right now, it's mornings, 9 to noon, five days a week. This can be adjusted based on the group's dynamic, the activities they choose, the director chooses based on that dynamic, their progress through the activities. But typically, you'll have a day or maybe two of initiative games. Those are things where they get to know each other, develop trust, find a team dynamic and grow and really start to trust each other as a team. They'll do a day or maybe two of those. Then they'll proceed to our low course on either Tuesday or Wednesday or maybe halfway through Tuesday where they'll continue to develop those relationships with each other, continue to grow that trust, grow those problem-solving skills. Uh, that'll carry you to Wednesday evening or Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and then probably on Thursday, they will go to our high course uh, where they'll put some of those trust and uh, problem solving and that dynamic into action, belaying each other, trusting each other, working with each other through those elements. And then Friday, like as it was a long, uh, since I think we've started writing this course, it's a free day. Uh, they can choose to go back to the high course to do more games. They can choose to do more initiative games down here. They can hike the mountain. It's sort of up to them. Um, but all of that is flexible within the team dynamic of and what the team needs and is looking for. Mm -hmm. Now I remember, um, I never did this of course, but I remember there, there was some sort of climbing or rappelling that happened on the mountain somewhere. I don't know, was it the Tuesday or Thursday evening or something like that. I remember Andrew Coleman running that. Um, did that go through a period? Do we not do that anymore? I mean, what was the trajectory of that? So we used to, uh, again, this is going back to the early 2000s, uh, before we built the climbing tower, mm -hmm. uh, we would take one day a week and hike up the mountain, and uh, there's a, uh, we had a couple of different locations uh, within the state park up on the mountain that we could set up for rock climbing, and it was natural face rock climbing. Um, and it was a great program, and the kids the kids really enjoyed it. The downside to it was it was very time-consuming. Mm -hmm. uh, we left basically right after breakfast. You hike up the mountain. You set up the 
the climbing site, you eat lunch up there, you climb, do some climbing and rappelling, and then you hike back down for dinner. So it was basically an all-day kind of program. So that, that just occupied a lot of time for for campers. Uh, once we once we built the climbing tower in 2005, um, we had that ability to do the climbing rappelling programs right here on the property and not have to take up quite so much time so we got away from doing the, the natural rock up on the mountain. Right. And even though the climbing tower is weather dependent, going to the mountain is even more weather dependent. Very much so. It's a bigger amount of time you're going to be up there and everything. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> I've also found that much like BSA guard, these things that take up the whole day at camp, just from the point of view of a program director, aren't typically why most scouts will come to camp. We are here for 11 to 17 year olds, but our demographic skews younger and they want to pursue other activities throughout camp. Uh, so maintaining critical mass for something that's an all day program tends to be moderately difficult. Right. Is there a minimum age for COPE or does that matter at all? or? There's no minimum age. Uh, there's a, uh, a maturity level that's required uh, because some of the some of the activities we're doing require um, the operation of some life safety systems. When you're talking about the high course elements, uh, there's some spotting that gets involved in the low course elements. So there's a level of maturity that's necessary mm -hmm. for the team to be really paying attention and working together. And and younger scouts don't always reach that level of maturity that you need to effectively. Mm -hmm do the program. Right, right. Um, now I'm curious, in terms of the COPE courses we have up in the woods, we have our low course and our high course, um, there has been, of course, historically, a zip line up there. What is the history behind the zip line and what's the status of that these days, if I could be so bold to ask? So we have had a zip line. Uh, we, have a, we have a number of elements on our high course, uh, and we have in the past had a zip line. Um, we have had uh, Two uh, instances now <laughs> of uh, of trees that have uh, have fallen over in, in strong storms, so uh, winter storms, uh, have knocked some trees over, which has taken out the zip line and and done some damage up on the high course. So uh, the first time that happened, uh, uh, we repaired it. That was in the mid two thousands. Uh, we repaired it. We put the zip line back up. We rebuilt the damaged elements. Uh, and then a few years later, exactly the same thing happened, uh, and it broke the zip line again. So uh, we are just in the process of, of uh, getting the broken pole replaced and starting to put the, the elements back together to repair that damage. Um, so at the moment, the zip line is not uh, in usable shape. Right. I think when you talk to COPE nerds, we were talking about rebuilding a week ago or two. We all said the zip line should come last because it's actually not a huge value add in regards to the program and like group development and leadership and trust. It's fun and it's for a great thing for a high course to have, especially if you're focusing on like off season rentals and trying to have a hook to get people in. But when we were talking about what we wanted to put back up on the course, it came last of the four things we need to rebuild. Um, and that's from the perspective of people who love cope maybe not the perspective of what the customer might be interested in us doing mm -hmm. interesting yeah because to me for someone who never has done it to me like i hear stories about the zipline and to me it seems like the most exciting thing oh it, it definitely is the most exciting thing <laughs> but it's from like a cope perspective right 
I would argue it's not at all important. Sure. It's the most, if you look at COPE as being a primarily team-oriented program, the zip line is the most individual activity that we have. Right? Everything else involves at least at two least three the people involved in getting through an element. Right. right? Yeah. So right. Um, the zip line is just you taking a ride. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fun ride, no question about yeah. it. But um, I don't actually know how true this is, but when I first started in COPE, I was always told that the length of our zip line uh, from the first pole to the or from the second pole to the first pole, if we go by the pole numbering system we have, is 309 feet, which is the old lodge number for GML. I'm assuming because Mark Smith built it, it's true, but I've never measured it. <laughs> that that falls squarely in the uh, in the urban legend. Uh, yeah, okay. Pattern, think, but I've never measured it either. So <laughs> I don't really know. Is there a, is there an event in one of the courses? For both of you two, that is your favorite, and and why is that particular event your favorite? I think we should do low and high. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go high first, and I think it's probably a typical answer, but the Giants Ladder, because it is the most team-like event on the whole high course. A lot of them involve trust in a really high level and overcoming your own fears. You have to overcome your own challenges, and you have to trust your belayer. That's about the amount of teamwork you'll find. The Giant's Ladder is exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of four by fours on cable, and it looks like a Giant's Ladder. It starts at four feet apart, and then it slowly grows in increments apart. So each rung gets harder and harder to climb, and two people attempt the event together, and you have to pull up the person to the next rung with you. So you're 25 feet up in the air with your buddy, trying to get to a rung six feet above your head and figure out how to do it. So that's definitely my favorite high course element. I think, uh, I agree, the, the giant slider is a fantastic element. Uh, the other one I really like is the high beam, um, which is a telephone pole that's suspended horizontally, you know, 25 odd feet in the air. Um, and that's the one, I, I the reason I like it is because None of us would be challenged by walking across a log that's laying on the ground, right? Um, but you take that log, you put it 20 feet in the air, and all of a sudden it becomes a, a, a real uh, significant uh, mental, emotional, physical challenge uh, for the scouts to overcome, and it's a real growth opportunity for them. Right. right. Cool. You want to do low course before, first, and I'll go second? Sure. Low course, um, I think uh, my favorite is the artesian beams. Um, which we call the uh, the Smurf Village or the Lilliputian Village sometimes, depending on who's facilitating the activity. Um, uh, and this is one where, where the team has to work together and build a bridge uh, across a bunch of stumps uh, using some 4x4s. And uh, the, the catch is that the 4x4s are not all the same length and they only fit in certain places. And... Um, Again, for for much the same reason that uh, that Will cited for the for the Giants Ladder, I like it because it's a very team oriented event. You have to get everybody up on the bridge. Everybody's got to be moving together and working together. And and, uh, and uh, when you get a group that's really really working well, um, it's a cool thing to watch. Yeah. Um, I think on our course specifically on the low course, I really like what's called the Mohawk Walk um, because ours is pretty much a replica of our high course. 
So you send them all through it. It's actually very easy to do when it's eight inches off the ground. But then the next day you bring them to the high course and they're struggling and saying, I can't do this, it's too hard. And you can go, well, you did it yesterday. The only difference is 20 feet of air. You did this exact same thing yesterday. I know you, I watched you do it. Um, in general, I think my favorite is actually the trust fall, where you're on a platform about five feet up and you have to fall backwards into, into the arms of your co-participants. Mm -hmm. um, it is not at all physically challenged. It's an entire mental challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's both personal when you're on the platform, uh, but then also somehow a complete team activity in terms of trust, working together to make sure the person does not hit the ground. Um, I really like it. Cool. So for both of you, in, in both your perspectives, what is needed for the COPE program to continue to be successful at camp? Jim, what do you think? The uh program needs a couple of different things to be successful. It needs uh, troops to continue to have scouts participate in it, obviously, um, both in the summer camp and in the off-season. And we do offer, offer COPE as, as a weekend program in, in the spring and fall. Um, and it needs uh, instructors. Uh, COPE and climbing require... Um, 21-year-old and 18-year-old instructors, which are hard people to recruit, mm -hmm. uh, when, especially when you're talking about the summer camp stuff. Um, so we need a continuous flow of people who are interested in the program, want to become instructors, want to learn how to be an instructor uh, at age 14, 15, 16, 17, so that we can continue that progression of, of directors and assistant directors through our summer camp uh, staff and our off-season uh, team as well. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think? I think for it to be continually successful uh, here, it needs to be visible in a lot of the same ways Jim said, um, where you have people on the course, if for another reason, just for them to get the, a quick experience. This year we're doing Scoutmaster Cope in the afternoons, where Tom meets with a few Scoutmasters and gives them what would be the movie trailer version of Cope. A couple of games, a quick maybe tour of the low course, and an explanation of, you know, why they should be interested. It's the program area in camp that is the only one that is truly out of sight, out of mind for people if they are not participating in it. You can hear shotgun from everywhere. You can hear rifle from most places in camp. Everything else you walk by as you go to meals, you smell the smoke from Scoutcraft. Cope is so far off in the woods that we have to keep putting eyes on it actively. Uh, and making people aware of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a challenge with the way our course is built. It's not insurmountable, it's just the thing we have to keep in mind. Right. So, just to conclude, uh, if there was a scout that was interested in COPE, but seemed reluctant because they felt like it was maybe too challenging or too hard, or it scared them the events that they were going to do, or they felt like maybe they didn't have the confidence to do all those things, which is the purpose of COPE, is to challenge people those ways, what would you tell them to encourage them to participate? The beauty of COPE is you can go as far as you're comfortable going. Um, so we, we have, uh, the program encompasses activities that where your two feet are planted firmly on the ground and it's, it's very much a mental problem solving kind of challenge. Um, and all the way up to, you know, climb up way up high in the air and 
swing off a rope or walk across a cable or whatever. Um, and uh, the great part about the program is that participants can, can go as far as they want to go. Uh, if you want to get up two steps up a ladder and say, okay, that's it, I'm not going any higher, if you've pushed past where you're comfortable, if you've gotten a little bit beyond your comfort zone, that's our goal. That's what we're aiming for. Um, and if, if your comfort zone is I'm going to get up to the top of that platform, then great. If it's, if it's you know, I'm going to get three rungs up the ladder, and that's as far as I can manage to go, as long as that's a little bit past what you're comfortable doing, then we'll, cu we'll count that as a, as, a, as a success. Yeah, I think my answer is almost the exact same. I was just thinking of the phrase challenge by choice, uh, which is something we say a lot. You can choose to do or not do, and the group, as you're carrying them through the course, will be as supportive of that person getting up that rung, that one rung, as they are of the scout that does all of the high course in record time, because uh, the goal is through that week you'll build that group dynamic and everyone will be supportive of each other. Um, as far as any one of them can go. Uh, so there's no reason to feel scared about the elements or the course or the program because you might not be able to do it because doing it just a hair past where you're comfortable is successful um, and the team you are with will support you. I think people worry they'll be laughed at, not considered cool. The goal of getting the team there, if you've gotten them to the high course or to the low course, is that they are already supportive of each other. Um, so don't worry about it. You can do whatever you want. All right, well, Jim, Will, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you. You've been listening to the Bullard Farm Benchmark, the Camp on Oxit podcast. This podcast is written, recorded, and produced by Adam Morris, Nick Hoff, and Andy Collins. The writing and planning of this episode is by Adam Morris. Editing is by Adam Morris, and distribution is by Nick Hoff, Adam Morris, and Andy Collins. Original music taken from the song, The Grand Monadnock Blues, is composed and performed by Adam Morris. This episode concludes Season 1. Thanks to all who made the 2023 summer camp season a success. Stay tuned for Season 2, which will be produced during the off-season, beginning later this fall. Remember, Camp on Oxid is your scouting home. We look forward to seeing you all next year, and if not then, sometime in the future. Godspeed, scouters. Hi, I'm Jim Ganley. Hi, I'm Will Neville, and you're listening to The, the Bullard, Bullard Farm, Farm Benchmark, Benchmark, the Camp on Oxid podcast. podcast.